G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, enjoying last week's episode as well. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Let me tell you. Uh, Lyle and Welshy, g'day boys. Very good, day, Tony. What, we didn't have a fucking episode last week. Well, we did. We had a replay of the Crackerjack interview that we did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I thought it was good, Tony. A nice throwback Thursday. Keep the listeners on their toes. Very yes, good. I thought Very you good. would think it was good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going to talk about, we always start off by saying a great interview last week. and We can say two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Exactly. A great interview. Who did we talk to? <laughs> it hasn't been that long, has it? Mate, I can't remember what I had for dinner, let alone who we spoke to two weeks ago. You had corned beef for dinner, Tony. Ah, oh, that's right. Thank you. Exactly. With mashed potato. Yuck. That's disgusting. Great I interview two weeks ago, guys. Well done. No, I want Appreciate you to. It, I want Tony. you. I want you to say who it was, Tony. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. Haven't you got the computer in front of you with I'm the, just, the... I'm just looking at it now on Wooshka. I'm going back through our series episode. <laughs> it was Bianca Belair, you dim... Oh, it was we too. We had the big interview with Bianca Belair and Joel Bateman. That's what we did our... Oh, um, did you say back. Chance Bateman? No, no Joel, no. Oh. There's a chance that he would say that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, and Tony, a lot of feedback on... Uh... Where's he? <laughs> on what? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> You got to wait. Come on, well, she finished your. There was a lot of feedback on what oh, the, the listeners are dying to hear. Uh, so I'm on, dying. Don't leave it. Don't leave it hanging, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, technology has seemed to have failed us <laughs> just for a second. As well, she was about to go into this big uh, spiel about what listeners had commented on. Yeah, He's literally disappeared off Zoom. My my feedback might be different to his feedback. Well, what's your I, feedback, Lyle? Mate, I'm telling you, the feedback has been overwhelmingly Paul? Posit- positive. Positive for your battle royal. No, seriously? No, it's been positive for your battle royal. Is that the feedback you're getting, Welshy? Positive. I dropped out. Shit camp. No, I got out. Just... The feedback was that it was atrocious. Like, it would need to improve to be shit ass. <laughs> well, my battle royal only. No, the whole card. The yeah, card yeah, yeah. You had, a, you had a good main event. Don't say the whole card. The card, That's, I thought. Yeah, but good. everyone would have left before the main event. Well, definitely. They would have missed a fantastic. Because there was, I got some feed. I got feedback from Kevin G. At, yeah. Um, and he was, he was like, "Oh, Tony had a good tag team match going." Then he adds Jake, Andrew, Arthur, and Mister Big as the third team. Like, it's like you would they. People suspected you were trying to make it bad. I assured them that no. Well, no, being a promoter myself, I know yeah. exactly what it means to put on a good show. Yeah. yeah now we can't hear Welshy at all. Now no, he's, he's dropped off again. again. He's gone again. There's uh, the, card, the, the card is, uh, yeah, the card was that bad. He's, um, he, could, he doesn't want to talk about it, no. I'm assuming. Can we just get to our guest? Yeah, I think so. Let, let's. Throw to the guest, Tony. I'll do that, Lyle. Our guest today is a man who has appeared on Survivor, Australian Survivor, for the last couple of years. He was on last year for the Champions versus Contenders Survivor Series. And, of course, he's on this year for the Survivors All-Stars. You might know him as Harry. You might also know him as Dirty Harry. Or you might know him 
as El Libro Nacho. I think that might have been his name. Was that his name? El, El Taco Nacho. El Taco Nacho. Anyway, he's with us now. G'day, Harry. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for that uh, glorious introduction. Uh, thank you for joining us. What is your most preferred wrestling name? Um, I guess I, I do enjoy the El Taco Nacho moniker. Um, it was probably where I did some of my most fun, fun work in the ring. Um, so we could probably go with that. Um, before that, I was known as uh, Harry Avalon. I think the taco name is much more fun than the Harry Avalon. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a ton of fun with it. It was just like one of those gimmicks that like you're not sure how it's going to go. And then it just ended up being so much fun and the crowd always enjoyed it. And like it never got to the point where we were like top characters on the show but it was always fun to have us there to sort of just like break up the show was it a lucha character or did you have the dirty, <laughs> no, the dirty no, mustache well, <laughs> it was like it's it's a weird it's a weird storyline right because um we basically had this segment where they were sort of putting up a steel cage and obviously in australian wrestling that's a bit more difficult to do than like when you've got a big budget and the cage is just coming down. So you've got to fill about eight minutes if they're putting up this cage quickly. And they essentially had a segment with my manager uh, sort of talking and then calling out a hot woman uh, from the crowd. Uh, the hot woman ends up being me in a dress and a wig. Um, and long story short, I have a meltdown where I say you're never going to see our faces again. And true to that, we come back next show very obviously being us, but in Mexican lucha masks. But weirdly enough, went straight to being faces. Like the crowd just like loved it for some reason. I guess the Hulk Hogan, Mr. America comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly like that. You got this like really obvious under the mask thing and then like we're just not admitting to it. Fantastic. How did you get into wrestling? Um. Well, you probably know my name is Harry Hills, but my middle initial is actually also H. So H. Fantastic. When I was like, it was like year five or six or something at school and a couple of other kids who watched wrestling at the time were like, you have the same name as Triple H, this wrestler guy. And so started watching it um, during, I guess it was sort of the Attitude Era. I remember watching like, I think it was like D'Lo Brown and like a couple of other like random characters and fell in love with it when I was about 10 years old and never looked back. So uh, survival would have been perfect for you then. It was just a game. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like survival was weird because it's like I, I tried to get on once as a wrestling character and got nowhere and then see that Matt sort of, Matty Wahlberg ended up getting on there as the wrestler and when I applied the next time, I completely ignored that sort of character for myself. Like I went much more with like the goofy ice cream guy sort of gimmick. Um, and it sort of worked out perfectly for me because I wasn't known as the wrestler on that thing. But it's, there's a lot of parallels between Survivor and wrestling, to be honest. Um, we'll get on to Survivor, I guess, for a fair bit of the interview. But I want to sort of start with the wrestling. And you trained with EPW? Yeah. Um, so when I was 17, I tried out for EPW. Back in those days, they used to have 
uh, a tryout camp that went for two days and it was basically uh, biggest loser style workouts and training uh, with like beatings interspersed between it. Like it was, it was really hard. Um, and a lot of people say that Survivor is the hardest thing they've ever done. That EPW tryout is the hardest thing I've ever done because like just day two, like having the worst muscle soreness you've ever had in your whole life being like sort of like really sort of beaten up. Like they were quite stiff with some of the hits on purpose just to see if you'd still be into it um, to come back on day two and just push through all that. Yeah, that was, that was pretty rough <laughs> to say the least. And especially cause I'd actually talked a bit of smack on some internet forums and they knew I had. And so uh, Shane Thorne, who was Shane Hayes at the time, was part of that tryout and he sort of decided that I deserved um, quite a few stiff forearms to the head. And I did deserve them. I'll fully admit that I deserved it at the time. Yeah, it's probably probably not the uh, the best way to go about a <laughs> wrestling training. Trying yeah, to... He's talking smack about them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I started then. I think I got a little bit of respect not quitting after that. And then from about 17 till 18 or 19, I trained until the point where I had to go to uni and I sort of put it on the back burner, finished my uni degree, came back five years later and started wrestling and training properly. And so I guess from about 25, 24, 25 to about age of 29, I was wrestling for EPW. And what, what is the, what's the family's take on it when you're, you're 17 year old? And you're looking for wrestling <laughs> schools and you're going to get into the wrestling. They supportive? Uh, look, my family's always been pretty supportive about everything. Um, like I've never sort of shied away from like less usual stuff, I guess. Um, I was sort of one of those like chunky kids with sort of gross long hair, a little bit overweight who like used to wear wrestling shirts and was obsessed with it. And of course, everyone's going to look at me and go, well, like, you don't really have a chance in hell. Um, but my parents were supportive. Like they, they fully supported me. They, they just sort of demanded that I gave uh, my education the attention it deserved as well, which, which I sort of ended up putting at the front when I realized, you sort of realize pretty quickly, you get like the reality check. Like I'm, I'm six foot um, and I'd normally weigh in about 90 kilos at the moment. And so I'm not tiny, but, like you look at that and you look at the American circuit and you think like it doesn't really add up. Like you'd have to be best of the best being six foot to try and make it anywhere in America, basically. And um, you were in the ring recently against Matty Warburg. Um, mm -hmm. What was it like getting back in the ring after? <laughs> how long was the break? How long was that the break? Was, that was weird. Um, so I stopped wrestling at the end of 2018, uh, I had like a blow off match in Brisbane. It was this massive TLC match that me and uh, Del Cano were sort of like two like luchadors. I use that with asterisks for myself. Um, he is a luchador, but I'm just sort of a fun wrestler. Uh, that was end of 2018. I said that would be it for me. And then did Survivor all 2019 and then got back in the ring recently. And to be honest, I was very worried because 
like I've been in like EPW is a quite serious locker room. And if you have people taking wrestlers time, like minutes is a big deal. Um, so I felt like I was that guy stealing other people's time in IWA. And so I sort of felt a lot of pressure to actually put on a good match and not just uh, be lazy with like some, some character spots with ice cream and stuff. I did those, but then we also did some fun stuff like Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> and how was Maddie to work with? Oh, amazing. Maddie is, is so good and just, he made me feel comfortable about the whole thing. Um, we talked through everything. Uh, like he, he's incredibly smooth with everything he does. He talks well through the whole thing. Um, he had confidence in me to sort of do the moves I wanted to do. Um, and just everything about him is just pure professional. I, I really think he's incredibly talented. Do you keep up with the local scene much at all? Or is there not much time for that these days? Um, in Perth, I, I keep up with the local scene more than I would uh, WWE or New Japan. Um, I try and go to most of the big EPW shows. We run out of this theatre in Claremont at the moment and it's, it's a really good venue. It holds about 350 to 400, but like the quality is really high. Um, so instead of trying to get the occasional 600 person show, we just go for that and are trying to sell it out every time. And it's a really good vibe. So um, I'm definitely staying there. And I say to hi to all my friends that are there. Is there any, any plans in the future for, well, when the, this lockdown is over and wrestling comes back, uh, pulling on the tights again? <laughs> um, I was thinking about it when, when I wrestled in IWA, it sort of felt, it felt pretty good and it felt very natural. Um, but having this coronavirus break has sort of, I guess has sort of put the halt on that. Um, as, as Survivor sort of slowly goes away, I lose a lot of my cash value, I guess, <laughs> as like a, like a, I don't know what the right word would be. An attraction. Sort of, yeah, an attraction. That's the right word. Um, I lose my value as that. And if, if I'm not really bringing that, if I'm not bringing new viewers, then I probably feel like I'm just getting in the way. EPW has a lot of talent and a lot of new people, especially coming through the system. And I feel like they probably deserve the minutes more than me at the moment. I'll tell you what, though. You're selling yourself a little bit short, Harry, because that Canadian destroyer was very well executed. <laughs> it was it was okay. I didn't quite get the rotation I wanted to, so I ended up on my back instead of on my butt. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I felt like the lead into it was quite nice. Like I sort of just gave him a quick little kick and then go over. I was quite mindful the whole time. I really didn't want to stuff up and just like potato Maddie because he was like so nice to me. Um, so I felt good in that regard, like the sort of movement and, and strikes and stuff. Um, I, think, I think the Canadian industrial was good enough considering I'd spent a year and a half out of it. And the year and a half not eating. A year not eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, when, you, when you arrive uh, on the island for Survivor the first time and um, you're in the tribe and Matty Wahlberg's there, were you aware of Maddie before Survivor? Uh, yeah, so it was sort of, it was a little bit of a weird thing because I didn't really know Maddie, but I sort of like half recognised him when we were there 
I didn't quite recognize him properly. Like I couldn't put a name to a face, but I was like, he looks weirdly, like weirdly familiar. And we were filming pre-show stuff where we weren't allowed to talk a word to each other. Like we had to film this thing going through a river the day before we started. And they're just like, you cannot talk at all to any of these people. Otherwise, like you're just going to get yelled at for 10 minutes. Um, and so I wanted to talk to him right then and find out what was going on. So I thought maybe he's from Perth. Um, but yeah, in the end, uh, he ended up introducing himself as this wrestler. Uh, he's good friends already or was good friends already with some of the EPW boys. So straight away, we had like this connection. And, and when you're both wrestlers, you just have that inherent connection anyway. I mean, people that are wrestling fans don't think about it enough but it's really like its own language like you could say something to another person in wrestling talk and someone outside of that world wouldn't have any idea what you're even talking about you could just say i don't know like uh coast to coast off the far turnbuckle uh but it was swapped into being a swanton bomb coast to coast and it's like people that don't know wrestling are just like what the hell are you even talking about so we kind of have that and you kayfabe your tribe mates anyway. About, well, yeah. Make, making up a son. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> Living for that fave life. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was lying about everything. I lied about my job. I lied about the kid. Um, I didn't tell a lot of people about anything unless I thought it would make them keep me around longer. So I did actually tell them that I did wrestling and uh, powerlifting because I just figured people would keep me in. And I was a little bit pissy that like they refused to show some of my physical side at the start. Cause I was like winning a lot of my jewels and they just didn't show it. It doesn't, um, it doesn't fit the, doesn't fit the character they wanted to portray you as. Yeah. Cause, cause I had to wrestle, like they showed that wrestling one where Maddie beats up Luke and then I went in and beat up Steve Bradbury and beat him as well. And that was like, that was a highlight from the early game. Um, but didn't get on TV. How much of that character acting of wrestling helped you with Survivor? I definitely think it helped me get on the show because I was really, like, I vibed pretty quickly that they were after a shit stirrer. And in wrestling, like, I was a shit stirrer, like, through and through. I used to be that heel character that would just make people so mad that they would just want me punched in the face um, until someone would come out and beat me up. My favourite, my absolute favourite spot in all of wrestling that I love to do is you've got, the, you've got the face on the outside. He's like on the ground. You give him a couple of kicks and then you tell everyone over the other side of the guard barrier or the guard rail to move their chairs back because you're going to throw them over. And in EPW, that's a real thing. Like, that's a real possibility. People do go out and fight in the crowd semi-regularly. And so you get them all to move. You do this big, like, rah-rah thing saying that you're going to throw them over. And then you just throw them back in the ring and just give the finger <laughs> to the whole crowd. And it's so funny because it's like, that's not even storyline annoying. That's like they've moved all their seats and they have to move them back. <laughs> So I think stuff like that, like I told that story and I'm pretty sure it helped me get on the show. And I think, I think the, the wrestling stuff, I think helps you get more airtime on TV. I don't think it helps you with the game necessarily. I mean, wrestler has, 
as someone who'd been in the business, did was successful in the US, was Johnny Fairplay. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a standout in his season because he did, he did employ a lot of the same tactics that you did, but just yeah. probably probably a bit more dastardly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a bit he was a bit better than me at it, I think. Um, yeah, he's a he's an interesting dude because I think he actually thought it out way better than me. I think where I'm just a shit stirrer, and it doesn't really matter if I get caught because it's still just funny having fun. I think he was more meticulous in the way he actually lied. Well, it was so, a dead grandparent, wasn't it? That he yeah, invented. Yeah, yeah, and it, but he. It was not only that, like. If it's coming from you, it's sort of like, well, people are suspicious of that. If it's coming from the dude that's coming in as like a family visit, he had the guy come in on the family visit and lie about his grandma dying on purpose. Like it was pre-planned. That was just like, that's incredible. That's incredible storyline. Like I wouldn't even be able to think of that. That's great. Yeah, I remember watching that. That was like season one or two and it was you weren't really expecting that kind of gameplay in the early seasons because mm. you didn't know what you were watching. Um, yeah. So he was really, him and Richard H were really ahead of everyone else early on. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's where you can start drawing the parallels between wrestling and survivor, at least from the entertainment thing is you see a lot of the people that are successful in both worlds are the people that find, they find value out of moments that don't, necessarily have that value to anyone else like they just create moments out of nothing and johnny fairplay was definitely one of those people and i think you see that a lot in wrestling these days especially with with wwe trying to sort of control the market a bit or at least that's i mean that's the appearance i get is that they sort of have their guys that they want to push and other people sort of have to make moments for themselves now on the island, what's a typical day look like? You, how many hours are you shooting? What's the downtime look like? A lot of sitting around, or is it just constant gameplay and mind games? Um, that is a very loaded question. Um, it can really heavily vary. Uh, so essentially, there's three or four uh, levels of filming. One is where they've just got a ton of cameras around, and you can just literally do whatever you want. Like you can go have side conversations you can go idle hunting you can just do anything as long as you've got a camera near you when you're doing something interesting uh then there's something like one camera rule which is where you kind of have to be in the vicinity of camp and you can't be having uh strategic conversations off camera because they want to get it on camera uh that sort of goes for night as well they have night cameramen but like you're still not meant to just walk off i kind of broke some of these rules by the way but like that's just what you're meant to do and then they have they have a hard lockdown or soft lockdown for when there's no cameras around you're not meant to really talk much at all unless it's just about pointless crap um and so they do that because they have to move there's like a really big process where they have to move all the cameras from the beach over to the challenge and then get you over there film it and then get you back and get the cameras back and it's just this monster effort every single day to actually make that happen. And then for travels as well, it's just all this movement going on that like you don't really understand as a player. And sometimes you get kind of frustrated that you can't just walk off down the beach. But that's basically how it works. 
Now, surely Survivor's just like a 24-man Royal Rumble, isn't it? You build up an <laughs> alliance from the start, work with that person and get towards the end and then go hard. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. You, you've got the strategy right there. If you, if you want to play to win, that's, that's pretty much how it goes. You just make an alliance and you just stick with it. Like, you don't need to betray anyone until pretty late and you just be that guy. Uh, you know, you're like watching the two heavyweights on the side of the ring. You'll be like, Braun Strowman and like Brock Lesnar, something like that. And you're just that third guy that just tips them both out while they're on the side. That's pretty much the same as Survivor. You just wait for there to be like two big juggernauts as shields. And then you just see if you can make your way through. Or at least Australian Survivor anyway, because it's so long. And how long does it take for you to sort of size people up and realise, you know, there's probably half the players that really aren't playing to win the game. They're just there. <laughs> So that's, that's a weird thing, I guess, for, to ask specifically me because I sort of had a few tantrums the first time I played because <laughs> I went in there, like, I've watched, like, a lot of US Survivor and obviously there hasn't been that much Australian Survivor, but they play out very differently and the people are very different that they cast. Like, US Survivor is just hardcore. Like, if you pitched a plan to vote someone out, everyone's going to listen to it. Like, they're at least going to, like, give you the time of day. In Australian Survivor, you have people that are just like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that today. I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to get told who to vote for, and that's okay. And I would flip out at that. I hated it so much. And I was constantly doing things like telling off uh, Simon for not playing. And, like, I was being, I was being a bit of a little bitch about it, <laughs> um, in particular that first time. And then you sort of realise that, you just kind of have to deal with that. Is that, yeah. is that how uh, someone like David survives? Yeah, no one's willing to uh, take him out early enough. He was just, he was playing this incredible social game. And then he also decided to align with every single person that's one of those chill characters that would just be like, oh, I'll just, I'll play hard a little bit later. And like literally everyone in his alliance was like that. It just happened to work out that way. Like, Lee is super chill. He didn't want to play hard until Final 7. Uh, Sean will always take the least, um, like, risky route. Uh, Moana just wanted to play chill until Final 5 or 4. Uh, like, Tarzan didn't play at all. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just happy to be there. And it's like, Dave just sort of, he lucked out a bit having that group because they really didn't care about what he was doing. And as long as he stayed nice and he was just he was being nice every single day he was like kissing their butts and like making sure they felt good as long as you do that you're sweet like so you can't say he didn't put in the work he just put in a different kind of work just uh doing the whole like kissing babies shaking hands thing that's what he was doing the whole time because we would be what you would have considered lapsed survivor viewers and we sort of watched your season because maddie was in it and then once he was out, I know in my house, uh, we were all on Team Harry and we're, well, not as devastated as you, obviously, but pretty <laughs> shattered that Bateman took Pia to the final oh, two. Oh, yeah. Um, is he the biggest heel in your life? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I love Bateman. Um, no, nah, I, don't, I don't feel bad for two reasons. Uh, one, because I tried to get rid of him. Um, very <laughs> And I just thought that was funny. Um, and then two, like the dude was just trying to win. And it's like, I would be a hypocrite 
if I had a go at him for that. Cause like, that was what I was preaching and like whinging about the whole show. Like I was just telling people like, just play to win. Like no matter what happens, all these friendships and stuff, you got to play around it. And so he definitely did what he thought he needed to do to win. He was going to keep Pia there no matter what. Cause that was the one person he thought he could beat. Um, he couldn't beat anybody. He wasn't, he wasn't going to beat anybody. Not that late. <laughs> I think like Survivor's like a weird thing where it's like all about perception. And the perception was that he wasn't as good as he was. Like he was actually a good player, but like the perception of that wasn't there. And so if that's the perception, that's what you got to deal with. And, and he sort of got a bit destroyed at Tribal Council because of it. So I'm glad we've been using wrestling, wrestling analogies for Survivor as well. And would, would it be fair to say the champions versus contenders was like being on Raw or SmackDown and then it was pay-per-view <laughs> time when you got to All-Stars? Yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. It sort of was like, it was a bit of like Survivor Series, champions versus contenders, and then All-Stars was WrestleMania. It was it a massive step up? Oh. All-Stars was weird because... Uh, the gameplay was sort of like old school, like people sticking together, but it was also incredibly fast. And it was at a level where they might not have even shown the stuff on TV because it was too hard to track. Like, especially like day two, right? It's, it's going to be Shane Gould and then we're splitting the votes on Michelle. And the changes to this whole plan happened so fast it happened in the process of like two hours and it's just insanity it's just like it's can i swear on this yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 it's fucked like to be honest like right like picture this scenario right you've got the person you want to vote out in the group you're talking to and then you've got two of your friends in the group you're trying to talk to so let's say i'm with nick and shawnee and shane gould is standing with us as well I have to throw out a name that isn't Shane Gould because she's standing right there. And then we're all agreeing to this other name, but I have to then tell Shawnee and Nick that it is still Shane Gould once she's left the conversation. And if we all disperse evenly, like Shane Gould doesn't decide to leave us first, then I've got a situation on my hands because Nick and Shawnee might then actually believe that's the new plan. Wow. And imagine, imagine that happening like four or five times at a time. And so people are doing fake plans and real plans and then going off and telling other groups and things can just get crazy to the point where it's like, you've got eight people's names coming up and no one knows what to do. And it's just this insane situation that doesn't really come across on TV where you can have like a million fake and a million real plans going on at once. And it gives you like legit anxiety. How many times did you think you were gone season, uh, in both seasons? How many times did you think you were gone when you, when you didn't go? Um, to be honest, I have like, I think one of my best skills of Survivor is I'm pretty perceptive. Um, so I kind of knew the only times that my name was actually on the chopping block. And that was... Uh, the first tribal and the flick tribal. Um, so I was never blindsided. Like when I got voted out, like I literally left all my clothes behind on purpose so that other people could use them. Um, 
there was, there's never been a point where I was surprised at getting votes. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, what about the time when um, you were going to use your advantage and AK talked you out of it? What? <laughs> what? Because he, he was talking to camera about wanting to vote you out. How hard was it to trust him in that situation? Uh, it was actually pretty easy. Like I, on purpose, went into that tribal trying to be pretty aggressive. Like I went into it being like, I have the advantage. I can just push them as hard as possible for information. So I was really pushing Lockie and Brooke and pushing AK as well. And really like implying that I had something that I could use against them to sort of try and make them afraid. In the end, they were actually amazing. And I thought that they were voting for me. And so I was about to play it. But when AK got up and Lockie actually said some stuff as well, it was just so easy to read that they were being genuine, especially Lockie. He's not the best liar. And so in that moment, you could kind of see he's like, all right, like they're, they're not voting for me and they really want the advantage so that they can use it for themselves. One of my favourite things of watching All-Stars, Harry, was uh, you being on the jury. Obviously, we didn't get to see you do that in Champions versus Contenders, but on the jury on All-Stars, some of your facial expressions were just absolutely <laughs> amazing at some of the, uh, the things that were happening around you. Was, was that like a real head spin watching all that stuff happen in front of you? Yeah, it's whack. Like, it's sort of like, it's the difference between watching at home and watching live, which is the same as wrestling. Like, it's just a whole new thing. Like, it's just raw, it's unedited. Like, everything just happens out in front of you. And I used to love going to tribal council and hearing people argue. Um, in reality, it goes for about an hour uh, before they vote in real life. And so like, it's actually like, it's a full show basically. Like people arguing, uh, people like jostling to sort of work each other out, maybe whispering. It's, it's actually really fun to watch. What blows me away is how often people tell the truth at tribal council when they're trying <laughs> to blindside someone and then they give themselves away. Like I would just be lying my ass off at tribal. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's cause you can't really tell. Like it's really difficult um, a lot of people, it doesn't really matter what they say. Once they get to tribal, they're like locked in. And so people just sort of like lie for the sake of lying or do insane things. Like Dave was like lying his ass off so many tribals. He would like say that we could save ourselves by turning on each other and all this stuff. But it was really just like to try and have us piss each other off. Um, but yeah, you can't really trust anything. People will say something honestly, completely honestly, and you'll just be like, nah, like, there's no chance in hell that's real. And then you find out after, like, they'll tell them the truth. That's just, it's part of the game. Like, you have to be able to work out when someone's telling the truth. And there's sort of, like, a meta to it as well, like poker, where sometimes people will try and, like, look bad at lying so that when they lie later, it'll be better. There's, there's a whole lot of things going on. What's... What's the, uh, the one thing you enjoy the most about Survivor? Is it the challenges, the, the strategic gameplay, um, you know, voting people off, uh, those kind of things? <laughs> um, yeah, probably, probably not the challenges, to be honest. Like, some days we would go out there and I'd just be like, I can't really be bothered doing a challenge. <laughs> I was like, well, you just have the reward. I don't even care. Like, I just wanted half a million dollars. Um, so... Probably not the challenges. Uh, the strategy, much more, and voting people off. And tribal in general, especially the first time. 
just arguing with people was so funny and making them like really mad. And I was just having a great time. Like Simon Black, especially, I used to make so mad and I could just tell that I was getting under his skin. <laughs> and he, he actually like, he did yell at me a couple of times and they didn't show it. And I don't know why. Um, Cause he's a nice, they wanted to be a nice guy. He is a nice guy. But, oh, like, no, I, he... I, I deserve to be told off. I was being a jerk. Um, and it would have been funny. Like, and then Janine as well. Janine would shut me down all the time. And it was just such a blast arguing. And then I guess the strategy as well. One of my favorite days of any day in Survivor is day three, Champions versus Contenders, because that's when I formed this super secret alliance. And it was just the coolest thing ever. Like to actually like sit back and think like I'm on a TV show. I've just made a secret alliance that no one knows about. We have a cool name for it. We're like this heel stable yes. of Survivor. And how much fun is Johnny? Because uh, she comes across as being a lot of fun. Oh, a blast. She, we, we say that she is Gina Linetti from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if you've seen that. That's basically yeah. her personality. She just has like insane confidence and like she like is oddly specific with things she likes and it, it just is this strange personality. I've never met anyone like her. Funny thing about it is, Harry, and well, she mentioned it before about the fact that you didn't get to eat too much. You've got a postgraduate diploma in diet in, uh, in as a dietitian. That would have been yeah. really playing on your mind, wouldn't it? Knowing that you, after all those challenges and that, that you should have been eating protein and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> and then effectively you're eating nothing. Yeah, um, you sort of just accept it, like the fact that uh, nutritionally you're a little bit screwed. Um, they do they do give you beans and we sometimes were able to get fish. So it was actually all right. Like you're obviously getting pretty destroyed nutritionally. Like just by the end, you literally just can't do the things that you think you can do. Like your brain says, hey, I can do this. I can run this fast. I can jump this far. And then your body just literally can't commit to that. Uh, you so didn't yeah, win a lot of rewards either. So. No, I got, I got screwed on the reward. <laughs> I think my first one in Champions vs. Contenders was like almost three weeks in. And then I did okay in, in All-Stars. I think I was like sort of moving along with some coffee and some stuff like that. What, what was your, your first meal outside of Survivor? What were your cravings? Man, I just wanted a beer and some ice cream. And so like, I remember I finished... I finished like 4 a.m. when I got voted out the first time and everyone was eating like a buffet, like this banquet thing and they're putting food in front of me and I literally was just like, I don't need any of this. I was just like having a beer and it was like one of the best beers of my life and a bit of ice cream. And me and John, me and John just drank beer until the sun came up. It was lovely. Well, at four o'clock in the morning, it wouldn't have been too long. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it was only like an hour and a half. Like this wasn't like it wasn't like a huge session, but like going like isn't isn't that just something you have to do in your life? Like drink some beers until yeah. the sun comes up. Nice. Yeah. Um and how good is Jury Villa? Oh, it's I'm I'm gonna say I've got two very different experiences. So I'm gonna try and balance it out here. Uh it is amazing for the first five to six days. And then it starts to make you go a little bit crazy. So you guys would know now because this coronavirus is 
a very good parallel. Like you have all this stuff available to you. You've got, you've still got food, you've got TV, you've got that sort of thing. But just like the fact that you're stuck in one place, it starts to slowly feel like a prison. And that's, that's what Drew Villa felt like the second time where it was just me and Lockie for a really long time. It was about a week before the third person even came in. Uh, And then like, we ended up being in there for like three weeks. Like you imagine just sort of being in a small, small house with like a a big yard for like three weeks. Effectively you and Lockie were on honeymoon. (laughs) Basically we got very close. (laughs) <laughs> very close like especially because we weren't that close during the game but then after it yeah very very close because we just spent so much time just us um, just, an, just another question on that harry how much of the decision of the winner of the series is made at jury uh at, in that in that lead up to the actual final show are you guys talking about that all the time uh not all the time, but enough that, yeah, quite, quite a bit of the decision does happen in the lead up. I'd say like 50% um, for a lot of people by just talking to each other. Because in reality, once you get to final four or final three, most people are being completely honest about everything. They've all come out into jury. And between them, it's pretty unlikely that there's going to be zero secrets. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, everyone is being fully honest after the game. And it's so rare to actually get to final tribal council and have something not be, like, not be known. And that was pretty much the case for All-Stars. Like, I watched every single person come in. They all tell their story. And you sort of piece it together. And there wasn't really much left to say at final tribal council. It was an easy decision both times on who you were going to give the prize to. Um, first time, no. Second time, yes. Uh, the first time I was very split because I'd spent the most time with Pierre and Baden. Uh, I'd spent a lot of the time strategizing with both of them. And so I considered them both actually quite good players. And so I was surprised when I got out and realized that like lots of the jury sort of consider their gameplay not that good. There was like a little bit of a chip on everyone's shoulder. Um, which I can see. I mean, it happened in the audience as well. Um, uh, So that was hard for me. They were quite close. Um, And then the second time, everyone was heavily favouring David. Like, he just... It was so clear on paper. He had such a better resume. And he'd also played a very strong social game. So it was pretty much already... It was already like David's one to lose, basically. And he did really well at Final Tribal. So it was a bit of a no-brainer for me. And how many votes do you think you would have had on that jury uh, for your first season? First season, if I versed Baden, I think I would have easily won. If I versed PR, I think it would have been a 5-4 vote, but I don't know which way. I think David would have voted for you. I think, I think Dave and Luke... Well, Dave would have voted for me. I think some of the contenders would have voted for me. Luke, I'm not sure. Uh, and then some of the other champions would probably vote P- PR. So, yeah, I think it's like 5-4. I have no idea which way, but I think it would have been really close. And I'm pretty sure the producers really wanted it to be me and Pia because of how close it would have been. But It never was going to be you and Pia, though. You wouldn't have taken each other. No, nah, Baden <laughs> and Pia, neither, neither of them were going to take me, which I learned after. Uh, and then um, I wouldn't have taken Pia. Yeah. 
No, it would have been crazy. Now, mate, just before we let you go, uh, as an ice cream maker, I need to know what your favourite flavour is. I'm a pistachio man myself. <laughs> uh, see, I'm in, a, I'm in a terrible position because I actually have a nut allergy. It's not, it's not a bad nut allergy, but uh, I can't have any nuts. So I've literally never had pistachio gelato, which is oh, wow. incredibly sad. Uh, favourite flavours, if, if we're talking strange flavours, uh, probably chai latte. That's probably one of my favourites. Uh, and we actually literally this week made rosemary and chili chocolate ice cream. It was incredible. Like it sounds weird, that. but it was incredible. So, so good. Um, and then out of normal flavors, probably vanilla or mint choc man. If we're just talking your regular yeah. um, supermarket stuff. Fantastic. Oh. Are you, are you a fan of uh, rock salt caramel? Cause we have a little bit of a debate between myself and Welshy. He's not a fan and, I absolutely love it. Oh, I just don't like salt and caramel. What's what's the dilemma with it? What's the problem? Yeah, well, she what's the I problem? don't I don't <laughs> like salted caramel. Is the problem? Is it like because is that because you've had bad ones? Like you think the salt's like overpowering? Um, I've had I've had I've had more bad ones than good ones. Okay, so this is this is sort of like a bad experience putting you off sort of thing. This is like the yeah. kid that's drank drank too much Bundy like when he's like <laughs> seventeen. Sworn off for life. Yeah, that's me and Uzo. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, and me and Bundy, you're right, exactly. I tell you what, Harry. I can't wait until we get you to an MCW show here in Melbourne one day because they've just opened up a shop. I hope it's still there now after the coronavirus <laughs> across the road from the Thornbury Theatre, and all they sell <laughs> is ice cream and hot chips. Oh, amazing! I reckon next time I'm in Melbourne, I'll, I'll come down to an MCW show to have a watch, and I'll hang out with you. Fantastic. Yeah, we look forward amazing. to it, mate. All right. Thank All right, you buddy. very much for having hey, me. No, thank you for coming on board. Really do appreciate it. And uh, look after yourself. We'll catch you soon. Yeah, catch you later. Harry Hill's joining us here on The Turnbuckle. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. Welcome back, part two, with the music of Carmella bringing us into our second segment. He was fantastic, Harry. That was a great interview. Yeah, he's a good bloke. I um, enjoyed that. You thank me for that, guys. That was a, thank you for one what? of my gets. Thank, thank you for I've what? Got Harry, I've got Harry on the podcast. Mate, you were meant to have him last a... week. What are you talking yeah. about? We didn't even have a show last week because of your incompetence. We had a cracker check on last week. Lyle. Once no, again, you've let down and disappointed this podcast with your lack of ability to secure a guest for our show, meaning we couldn't do a show last week, mate. You're really starting to become the Marty Janetti of the podcast world. Unreliable. Remember Marty Janetti? One half of the rockers. Well, I'm starting to feel a little bit like Shawn Michaels here as you continue to go through your destructive ways. We're a great teammate, but like the heartbreak kid, I keep getting let down by you, buddy. And while the reasons are similar partying, going out with women and sleeping with your cousin when you were 12, we seem to be like on the same path of destruction as the Rockers, a brawl in a barber shop. Remember when you told us that you had DCT all sorted for an interview, only to come to us on the day of the interview and say DCT had his days mixed up? Your fault, mate. You should have checked. Now, this is, a, this is another stuff up with Harry. Fantastic interview this week, but it should have been last week, mate. 
Like the Rockers, we've had plenty of chances at the title, but I don't want our only one time that we win the title to be in a dark podcast that nobody hears due to a dodgy mic. And I don't want your life to follow Gennetti, where you win the title on your own, as you did after beating Michaels on Raw for the Intercontinental title, only to lose it again, and then you end up interviewing guys like Doit the Clown and Ludwig Borger for the rest of your podcasting life. Lyle, we're a great team, buddy. And we will win the podcast title of the world one day, I have no doubt. But please, stop messing up. Stop knocking out your partner and setting him up for a fall like Giannetti did to Michaels in the 91 Survivor Series match before the infamous barbershop brawl. Unlike Vince McMahon, mate, I won't give you five chances. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I do disagree with you, Tony, comparing yourself to Shawn Michaels. But other than that, nail on the head. Yeah. I've been the heartbreak kid in my right. time. Don't worry about that. You've been brokenhearted a few times. I'm doing a... I've got to do a pros and cons of um, Paul Romer and Marty Gennetti head-to-head. See, I'm not sure which one I should be more insulted uh, being called. No, Tony, we all all know Perth is behind. That's... We got got our days... We got our days mixed up, quarantined. Some people have lost weeks. I lost a week and, you know... I'm pretty sure there may have been a um, daylight savings in there. So we all lost a week. We all lost a week, and it was through your incompetence. Yeah, Tony's okay. tirade, spot on. That's another tantrum from mine. Anyway, I'll leave it at Could that. Could just I've leave this say. in the production meeting. I've had my say. Don't have to record it. I've had my say. Oh, fair enough. Talk us through the dark side of the ring, guys. John Stossel is a jerk. Oh really? <laughs> what a prick! No, he started. He his ears started to feel better once he got paid. Like he's he's a journalist saying this on camera. Like, yeah, um, yeah, disappointing, disappointing. It was yeah. made for a good, uh, made for a good yeah, since, uh, episode. Uh, I would have. When you're going to talk about the episode, you probably got to say what the episode's about before you start launching into a bloke who was on it. Yeah, the uh, well, obviously it's the Doctor Death slapping John Stossel on. Um, it wasn't Doctor Death. Dickhead. <laughs> Dr. Was... D, David Schultz, sorry. Um, yeah, slapping the shit out of John Stossel. And I think he deserved it. Maybe not right at that time. But after hearing his uh, rebuttal all those years later, yeah, definitely. I feel like, I feel like John Stossel thought telling his story was going to paint him in a sympathetic light. It did not. <laughs> mm. He thought he was baby-facing himself. He was just turning heel the more and more he spoke. Um, his yeah. Twitter mentions um, his Twitter mentions are not pleasant no <laughs> I'd imagine they wouldn't be no, it was a very interesting episode um, yeah Schultz basically took the rap and we had to move into bounty hunting so uh, one to watch on this week's episode one to watch if we haven't seen it yeah I enjoyed yeah, it yeah def- definitely one to watch okay definitely uh, they've, they've all been most of them been pretty good and well received I think the a couple, fall, have been, couple have been shit. Fall, fall Brawl didn't live up to the previous standards. But, um, yeah, they've still got a few more good topics to come. So, always uh, interesting watching those. Cool. I reckon there'll be a dark side of the ring on, on Lyle soon. Well, Possibly. I'm not allowed out of the house. It could be very soon. Possibly. Uh 
tell us what's happening in the world of TLC matches. Um, so WWE, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, they're going to go with the the cases on the roof of Titan Towers, and um, the wrestlers will start on the ground floor and work their way up. They announced this week that the men's and women's match will happen at the same time. So you'll have what? you'll have um, the men's and women's matches going on uh, the same time as each other. I think it'll be another cinematic match, so it'll be pre-shot. I'm. It's good. There's going to be a lot of uh, interesting things. Like you could imagine, uh, Mandy Rose and um, an old mate. Uh, what's his name? The fat dude working oh, together. Um, so look, I, I know of people who don't watch WWE who will probably have a look at that match. It's a bit DDT like. Yeah. So I'm interested to see. It'll either be really good or really shit. And either way, however it turns out, at least it's interesting going in. I'm finding it tough the last few weeks to be invested in a lot of wrestling at the minute with no crowd. I think creative ways like this, um, we can get the fans' interest. People are going to watch it just for the car crash aspect of it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's the only thing that's really got me interested in watching some wrestling, to be honest. Well, I mean, we'll all watch it on Monday next uh, this week, but um, Lyle will forget it's on and probably watch it the week after. Well, probably will. When it, whenever we review it, I'll make sure I've watched it before then. Well, we'll try and review it next week. Hopefully, we'll have a, a show on for next week. <laughs> so, your uh, your non enjoyment of wrestling at the moment is that a concern to you, or is it just a, a nice little rest period? Uh, I'm enjoying the rest from it. I'm not disappointed. I'm uh, not interested, if that makes sense. I've watched a few documentaries and stuff, and The Dark Side of the Ring is... Uh, those kind of things are keeping me... Keeping my interest enough in wrestling, per se. And read a couple of good wrestling books. Obviously, Andre the Giants um, over the last few weeks. Uh, JR's wrestling book. His new one, Under the Black Hat. I've almost finished that one. So, yeah, yeah. The lack of crowd and the enthusiasm, it doesn't mm. translate onto TV. It doesn't make me want to watch it, that's for sure. Yeah, no, totally understand that. Totally understand. Hey, uh, guys, I saw... Mean, Tony, you, you never watch much. <laughs> no, that's Tony, true. Lyle's turning into you. That's, I feel sorry for you, mate. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter... This week, Carmella doing a few impersonations. She was quite funny. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, the The Shield one was very funny. So she did all three members of the Shield. Mm. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, it's good to see someone being a bit creative while they're locked inside. Um, yeah, so definitely worth checking out her um, her Twitter feed. Yeah, because she's uh, impersonated a few now. Well, she, uh, so is she like well, in full, full uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't caught up with it. Is she in full like wig and everything? Yeah. She's got the face beard, beard on. Beard, beard, beard. beard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, she's quite good. good. Very good. The streak in the hair for Seth Rollins. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. I think uh, this, this uh, lack of wrestling and stuff like that and people that can use their social media in a fun, interactive way, the creative types, 
you know, they can find an outlet for to keep fan engagement going. Yeah, true. Right, quick question: Who's who? Who wins the Money in the Bank matches for you guys? I'd like to see Oda win, or him at least help Mandy win. Some something with those two guys helping each other, one or the other winning. Probably not both, but um, yeah, vice versa. Either way. It would be interesting. I thought Shayna would probably win, but now that the matches are going on at the same time, it leads you to believe there'll be some sort of a creative finish. I don't think Otis and Mandy will win. I think that there might be a run-in from um, Dolph Ziggler. But, yeah, it's interesting to see because um, there's a lot of moving parts in this match now. Sasha Banks and Alistair Black for me. I hope Sasha wins. I think Sasha's the right winner. Yeah. Tony, I think. Now, Walshie, yeah. what do you cancel this week? Um, oh, I've just noticed. Have you noticed uh, the Nimrods in America protesting lockdowns while they're having world record deaths from, a, from the coronavirus in America? Yeah. Seeing those idiots with their guns so, like, trying yeah. to intimidate lawmakers? Yeah. And then there's some yeah. Nimrods in Australia with their tinfoil hats doing the same thing. Um, what are they protesting? Freedom, isn't it? Freedom? They're protesting the lockdown laws because we haven't had deaths. <clears throat> Forgetting the fact that the lockdown laws are the reason we haven't had the deaths. Mm. Like, um, and then they're, they're protesting uh, mandatory um, inoculations. Like, we don't even have, we don't even have a vaccine. How can we be mandatory? Yeah, correct. So they're, they're protesting about a vaccine we don't even have. Yes. Yeah, correct. Okay, fair enough. It's, it's logical. It's very, very logical. There was now, a... I noticed the Herald Sun are getting the shits as well because Daniel Andrews' approval rating's up. So they've, they've got their finance edit, uh, writers writing about coronavirus. Like, they're staying in your lane, people. Yeah, there's a there was a professor today over in uh, Europe, I think, who stated that maybe Australia has gone about it the wrong way with the lockdown, and we need everyone to sort of get infected so you can build up a resilience or an immunity to it, and then no one will get it again later on. So many different thoughts on the whole thing, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, but whatever whatever course you choose, you just got to stick to. Yeah, correct. Because yeah. Oh. England, England, England went. We're going to go for that herd immunity, and then look what happened there. Yeah. So, I think, look, looks like they've got a few pretty good vaccines in the works at the moment. So, I just say we've avoided it. Keep If we've got a vaccine by the end of the year, we should be okay. Fingers crossed. Right, yeah. well done. Now, Lyle, you're uh, uh, yeah, going to talk about this fantastic... Yeah, well, like, like I mentioned, you were really talking up AEW this week. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, you know, I've been finding it really tough to watch. Um, but I had an inkling, um, a, a previous WWE big tag team may have made their debut on AEW. If you've been, you know, cl- watching the dirt sheets closely, obviously you know who I'm talking about. Yep, we're talking about the revival. I am absolutely sure that they will uh, be on the show this week. Absolutely no. Uh, well, you may be disappointed, Tony, if you're choosing for the revival. Cause oh, so they, they obviously, it would have to be the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson. Oh, yeah, the, 
They do a podcast, Talking Shop. Give that a listen. They weren't on the show either. So if you're looking for those, no, no, I'm talking about the. It wasn't the thing. Ascension. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It um, might be in a bingo hall somewhere. The Ascension. Um, no, no, the the big WWE tag team that got released Who? a couple of weeks ago. The Who? C team, Curtis Axel and Kurt Hawkins. Uh, Isn't yeah. that the C? <laughs> what? You're not a fool. team. Yes, they are. Go back to their history. Just type in the, you know, trademarked, obviously, the B team on the WWE Network and watch their classics that they've had along the way. But that wasn't them. Yeah. It was one of them. Kurt Hawkins wasn't in the B team. His name starts with C. That's why they're the C team. (laughs) Anyway, watch out for Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. Uh, The revolt. Yeah. Yeah. Did, so, did you, you understand why they uh, they've came up with those Dax and Cash? No. Those first names. They lost Cash the bet, probably. No, yes. no, no. It, <laughs> it's an homage to the demolition Axe and Smash. That's oh. what they've come out earlier earlier this week. Some um, someone's wife on Twitter brought it up, and one of the Wheelers or Dashes, what it, he uh, <laughs> quote tweeted um, it. Your wife was the only one that got it. So, Why does it not the, surprise me that you're reading other people's wives? Yes. I said yeah. reading. I said reading. Uh, <laughs> and then the revolt name, they just... That's made indie wrestlers in certain parts of America very upset. Because <laughs> that yeah. name's already in news. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Surely there's a database of wrestling names they could use. Uh, yeah. uh, Kevin Chair might have to start it. Kevin could start that. He could start that, yep. exactly. Definitely. There is a uh, database, though. Of wrestling names? Cage match. Yeah, everyone's yeah, cage match. It's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So check out, the, check out the revolt there for uh, Dash and Smash and Axe. Wasn't the revolt a nightclub in Werribee? No, that was the there? vault. It was revolting, but it was <laughs> the vault. Yes. It was revolting, that's for sure. Yeah. Was that where my... So there's a gap there because Tony said something inappropriate that we had to cut out of the podcast. <laughs> and believe me, I did have to think about taking it out, but yes, I did take it out. It was oh, very, better have taken it out. You, you were very self-deprecating there, Tony, when we didn't want you to go to air with what you said about yourself and your I apolo- family. I apologise to Darren. about family issues. I apologise to Darren Harper. <laughs> Uh, that's it, boys. Show's done. What's on for the week, Tony? What's on for the weekend? No, there's uh, nothing on. Fending off calls from lawyers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Oh. Uh, what are we doing next week? I don't know yet. All right, we'll, we'll work it out. Uh, happy birthday to Steph as well, my partner. Oh, so. God bless her. Send her our love. She's a saint to put up with me. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. You're right wrong. All right, boys. See you later. See you, guys. Thanks for joining in, folks. We'll hopefully catch you next week if Lyle finds us an interview, and we will look forward to it then. (laughs) Right here on the turnbuckle. Thanks, Marty.